Now, look, one of the reasons to get you on to Pod News was you wrote this interesting article in Vanity Fair. Now, first of all, why did you write the article? What was the genesis of it? And then give us the beef. What was the main thinking behind the article? You know, the truth is it came from a place of trying to understand myself, given what's happened in the industry. My career really followed, I think, a very classic trajectory of this boom and bust cycle of podcasts. And so I felt uniquely privileged into seeing how some of that worked. And I just kept on having this feeling like, oh, this thing that I loved that I did from a place of service and artisan and creativity and like a true soulful place has sort of become I, the word that comes to mind is bastardized. And I was trying to sort of find myself in that. And I thought the more that I talked to other people about it, the more other people were like, yeah, I kind of feel like that too. And then also, you know, I've talked to people across industries and I have people who are like, yeah, like nobody's really interested in buying or funding podcasts anymore. Like it's just not a sexy investment place right now for people outside of the industry. So I thought branding is such like a buzzword and I thought it would be kind of funny or cheeky to be like what's wrong with the podcast brand where did it come off the rails and how are the people who still make it thinking about it and interacting with this term and do they care and so that's really where it came from so why do you feel it's come off the rails I mean yes advertising's taken a dip and okay Spotify stopped doing exclusives but the number of podcasts is still growing. Yes, of course, we had a massive hiatus through COVID. Everyone's home, bored. Spotify came up with a do-it-for-free model. So we saw a massive spike. But generally, the upward trend of those people that are repeat episodes is upwards. Advertising CPMs are staying around the $24, $25 mark for most people. So why do you feel that podcasting's bubbles popped and that it's become, I suppose, passe is what you're trying to say? So uh, let me be clear. I don't think podcasting, quote unquote, is going anywhere. I think a very specific chapter in podcasting that felt exciting and lucrative and had a lot of potential has ended. So the way that I saw it is that in 2014, Serial came out and that the New York Times called it podcast first blockbuster hit. And suddenly everybody was like, ooh, podcast, this is a cool space. And all the public radio nerds were starting to be like, oh, maybe I can make my dream project over here in this Wild West space. And from that, you get Gimlet, Alex Bloomberg, as well as Sarah Kanan, both came from This American Life. And this starts to grow and grow. And then in 2016, 2017, because of the crazy election cycle, we start to see a mass burst of news podcasts because people are suddenly like, I can't keep up with it. What's going on? I need somebody I trust to explain this to me. So then again, we see another burst. And then in 2018, Spotify goes public and part of their IPO strategy is to buy up everything and to be the Netflix of podcasts. So what I was seeing, and we can talk about my own career, is that for a little while, the only game in town was public radio. And then suddenly there's this big open commercial space. And what I think I was naive to, and maybe we all were, is that corporate dollars will inherently change how we do things, how we make things, what gets made, why things get made. 
And what I saw is a lot of that money that Spotify specifically, but other people were investing in podcasts were going towards people who hadn't made podcasts and then hired the people who had made them to work for those people. And now, however many years later, the rent is due and it, it didn't pan out. You know what I mean? Like it, it just didn't pan out. And so what I have observed in terms of understanding branding is when you see a lot of headlines and you see a lot of negative trends and stocks going down and deals being broken and layoffs and Gimlet barely exists anymore. When you see all of these things, it's very hard to get somebody who doesn't already love this thing excited about this thing. So that's what I'm seeing. It's not like, oh, woe is me, like celebrities are gone, so the industry is over. I'm saying this very specific wave that had a lot of promise went off the rails and is now over. And that's hard for a lot of people, including myself. Isn't it very much like Web 1, Toto? We had crazy valuations. We had money flying into the industry. Pets are us. Friends reunited. You name it, right? I remember a friend of mine, Michael Birch at Bebo, 400 million he was paid for. Fundamentally, you know, a very simple, very basic social network that then was just crashed and burned. So are we not seeing that same thing? Maybe we're seeing the first hiatus of podcasting. The money's in, the money's out, and maybe that dip will come back with something else. 100%. Of course it will. I have no doubts that it will. I absolutely think that it will come back. I think that lots of it will survive. There are still people thriving. But unless the people who love it start talking about it publicly and figuring out what we want that next chapter to look like, then we are not in control. We don't have our fingerprints on it. And again, I think that's something Sam Sanders talked about this in the article. And I have seen this too, which is when I would get into the rooms of decision makers and money holders, it was almost never somebody who had built their career in podcast. It was somebody who had come from something else and made it there. And so part of my point of my article is like, okay, let's pretend for one second that the people who make podcasts are in charge of podcasts. What do we want to call it? What do we want people to know about it? What's great about this? What's different about it than television? And why is it special? Okay. So in the article, you did ask, what should we return this? Do you have any ideas what we should return it? No. Okay, that's fine. Not really. No, I don't know. I was being a little bit cheeky, right? Like, I don't think we're actually going to call it something else. What I've found across the board pulling friends because like I wasn't sure either not everybody I talked to ended up in the article but I think a lot of people like to say they worked in audio that they work in audio that they're audio storytellers that they produce audio I talked to one friend who works at a pretty high profile production company and she was like something about the word podcast feels like oh it's just anybody on the mic and that can mean video and that can mean on YouTube and it could also mean this American life And when you put things like that and it's all just like a bucket, it's very hard to explain to people why one thing needs a quarter million dollars worth of funding and one thing you can do in your basement for fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And if we said film could be independent film, it could be a blockbuster film, it could be anything. I suppose in my head we have these generic words. I think then we need secondary words that will then delineate them and think that's what we're missing. I totally agree. I don't think we're going to change the word podcast in anybody's mind. Part of the reason why I wanted to talk to Ira Glass, other than the fact that he's like 
my hero and he started this whole thing and yada, yada, yada. He was a semiotics major, right? Like he studied how we interact with signs, you know, like how we experience words and ideas in the world and how that then changes our behavior. And so that's kind of what I was thinking is like when we interact with the word podcast, are we interacting differently with the word documentary or storyteller? And I think a criticism of the article was, so what's the point? And I don't know if I, I don't know if I have a specific point except to say, I want to be part of the public conversation and I want other people who care about this medium to be part of the public conversation about what it is and where it should go and how it should be funded and respected. Cool. Now you said that you had a lot of feedback on the article as well. Give us a flavor. So it was funny because it was very, I'm going to say mixed, although I would say for the most part, I got a lot of people who said, thank you for seeing me. This is how I feel. I'm having my own existential crisis about this thing. I don't know how to describe it. I'm deeply disappointed. And then there were other people that were like, yeah, this is banal. Who cares? Let's talk about craft. But here's what I thought was really interesting for me personally, is that really divided along the lines between the people who were able to make and start and sustain a career in public radio and those who were not and were tied to a commercial system. And I thought that was really interesting because like, yeah, of course, if you've been able to pay your rent and make advancements and tell the story you want to tell for all these years and you haven't had to look at what the trends are and who the money is coming from. And then, of course, you would be like, yeah, craft is the most important thing. But it's been interesting seeing that's mostly come from people who've worked and stayed in public radio. And I'm going to add mostly men. And I think that's really important to remember that podcasting is still uh, like something like 70 percent men, that there's very few women in it. There's fewer opportunities for women in it. And so seeing that feedback, I was like, it's interesting who gets to focus on craft and who has to worry about where the money is coming from and what people think of it and how we're going to sell it and pay our rent going forward. So let me tell you that gender discussion you just had there. Sure. Why do women not get involved? So I can look at my wife, a super smart businesswoman of the year, blah, blah, blah. She listens to very few, if any, podcasts, doesn't feel the mm-hmm. value. She would never start a podcast, right? There was no desire. Mm-hmm. And often, it's really weird. So my wife has said before, when she's gone for a senior role, women wait until they're overqualified and men go when they're underqualified. Right? But that's not a fault of men and that's not a fault of women. No. It's just... It's the system. Yeah, it's, the... it's the generic makeup. So are you saying... The reason is that there's a barrier for women coming into podcasting. Or are you saying that women don't want to put themselves out there front and center as much as men do? Which is it, do you think? So this is a great question. I think that my next article might center on this idea because I think probably the answer is both. I think that a couple of things, something that I think about a lot is people criticize women's vocal fry disproportionately to men like when we do it it's a problem when men do it it's just like how they talk and we still think of words like shrill when it comes to women and not men like there are all these social constructs for women and how we hear women that would make us one reticent to get on the mic and two to make people less likely to take us seriously and want to listen 
to us in theory. And I think that those things still show up in this utopic democratized space where anybody can do it. You know, it's affected my own career. Like I've just seen it happen over and over again. And it's something that I want to dig into. Like I wish that I had a very clear and specific answer, but I think, you know, we live in a culture where we'd rather see women than hear women. And so it makes a lot of sense that in a medium where you do not see a woman, that we'd be less likely to want to hear what she has to say from a place of authority. Okay, you've never thought of it that way, but that's interesting. Okay, so you talked about your career, so let's have a look. How did you get into podcasting? How long have you been in podcasting and how did you get into it? So I'll give you the long story and you can edit and post. So <laughs> I was... <laughs> yeah. It comes from an editor. In... It comes from a yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. It's like you'll think and choose. You can do that later. We're fine. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So when I was in college, I was like a starry-eyed, I want to save the world gal. And I went to go spend a summer working at a nonprofit health clinic and reforestation program in Borneo, Indonesia, like middle of nowhere to study. Like it was a barter economy. It was hell. It was fascinating to me. And it was like a three day like boat ride. But, you know, like it was a crazy journey. And I got there and I was like, forgive me, fuck. What am I doing here? I am not a doctor. I'm not a botanist. Like, what have I done? What skills do I bring to this village? Yeah, like what? And I'm here. And yeah, what am I doing? But this particular clinic was attached to the Yale Medical School. And the Yale Medical Magazine reached out to me and they said, hey, like, you're over there this summer. Do you want to make a short documentary about what you're doing over there? And it was like a light bulb, you know, whatever it was, I was like, that is it. That's what I really want to do is go to these places, talk to people doing amazing things to change the world, people that we aren't hearing from, exotic places. You know, this is like the height of the Anthony Bourdain style of journalism. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I spent many years doing unpaid internships and waiting tables. And uh, around when I was like 25, I, I had an internship at Frontline and it just didn't go anywhere. I was like, okay, well, I can't pay my rent on this. And so my mom was like, why don't you apply to grad school and see what happens? And I did it in a month because it was due the next month. I just did it blind. I never considered grad school. I did the whole thing and I got a full scholarship to go. I was like, Good for you. Got, uh, it was, you know, like Boston University. Thank you so much. You changed my life. I will say it over and over again. Yeah, they gave me a full scholarship and a stipend and I went and this was before podcasting was really cool. All I knew when I talked to my thesis advisor, I said, I want to do international reporting and I want to tell stories like Ira Glass. And she said, have you considered doing public radio? And to be honest, I was like, oh, it never even occurred to me that people get paid <laughs> to do public radio, you know? But the answer was yes. And at the time, nobody else was doing it. And so I got every fellowship and internship and whatever under the sun. And that was literally the same year that Serial came out. And then by the next semester, everybody wanted to do podcasting. So I really just got in. At the right place, right time. That. Yeah. That's 100%. And then when grad school was over, and this is one of those moments where I saw that men got opportunities that women didn't, I was told, like, go to a small station and work your way up, even though I had male counterparts that, like, got to stay at the big station and talking to the mic. And so I moved to literally middle of nowhere, Vermont, 
I worked good skiing, in that. Good skiing. Oh, good skiing. Oh, it's be. Oh, it is beautiful. I worked in the basement of the King Arthur Flower Factory. Maybe not so good, so, there, but yeah. Yeah, like literally the middle of nowhere, and I'm like 26. I'm like a pretty young single woman with my dog, but it was the most fun job because really I was just there every day being like, what am I curious about? And then I got to go take a microphone out and have those conversations. And then ultimately I won the National Murrow Award for one of my pieces there. And I got pieces on NPR National. And But at a certain point, like it just wasn't happening fast enough. I was like, I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere forever. Like I want to go to a, a bear market. And it just wasn't happening. And at this same time was the time I'm describing where news podcasts, The Daily comes out, Pod Save America, Today Explained, like all these news podcasts are coming out. And I had this, oh, maybe my career as an audio journalist doesn't have to be tied to the public radio system, which is not giving me enough opportunities. So I moved to New York, which is where it was sort of happening at the time. And I'd lived there when I was younger and I'm from outside the city. And I was a waitress and I took gig after gig after gig. And I worked like 80 hours a week. I worked nonstop. And I had cold called a bunch of people. It really was scrappy. And eventually I got a call from my contact at Vox Media at the time. And she was like, hey, Kara Swisher is revamping this podcast feed that she had. They want to make it into something new. Do you want to come in and develop it with us? And I was like, yeah. And so I did that as a gig producer for about six plus months. I was in the room before it was called Pivot. I built the original structure. I was there the first time they got together and the energy in that room was bananas crazy. And then eventually it became successful. Then I went internal at Vox and then later at New York Magazine. And then ultimately I was uh, poached. I was poached. Somebody reached out to me from the middle of- We'll come back to the poaching. So let's go back. You said how it was successful. What made that show successful? The chemistry is good. I mean, I'm a fan of the show. And I'm amazed because for Cara to come back from those days of having Walt Mossberg to find a partner who, I suppose, can bat her back. What I love about Scott is he can be rude, he can be uh, evasive, but what he can be is very informative at the same time. So Kara does yeah. actually step back when he gets into professor mode, in brand mode. Yep. And she does expect that he does know his shit. So so in that sense, they have an equal standing, I think. They're very good at holding one other accountable. Something that I really like about Scott personally, I say this from a genuine place, is he can be rude. He can be a fan. Like he can be all of those things and he can take criticism and he can say huh I hadn't thought about it that way and then course correct and I think that's kind of what's special about their dynamic too is they listen to one another like they go back and forth and go back and forth but they are willing to concede to the other person learn from the other person there's so much in their chemistry that like may we all find our Scott to our Kara you know what I mean but this is I can tell you from my perspective the moment that Pivot got big, and from a podcast perspective, why I think that's interesting. So from the beginning, the original Pivot structure was their intro, big story breakdown, uh, wins and fails, and predictions. And predictions was, I had seen, Scott was already in the business world sort of known for his trends and analysis. And so... I thought this was a good way to kick the show every week. It's just like, come in and do your predictions. And we did that over and over again. 
And then relatively early on, Scott got his hands on the WeWork S1. And we started doing predictions about the WeWork tumble week over week in that very specific section that people knew to come after the break, right? They'd already listened to their mid-roll, so we kept people listening. And week over week, that started to become the place where people knew they could hear about this crazy story. And Scott was really good at being just like one step ahead of it. And that's when I really started to see things take off for Pivot. And then what's interesting is I used to cut the show at about 30 minutes, keep it really tight. And I remember the first time we did a live event, somebody came up to me and they were like, my only problem with Pivot is I want more Pivot. And so that's really what ended up happening is like we started cutting it long and then we went to two days a week. And so then we had to be like, okay, what are new segments that we can do that make people want to come to both days, but we can still sell ads and people will listen through them. But I always thought it was really interesting. Like that's how important format is and a brand that people come back to is I think people started to associate Pivot with predictions that were coming true in sort of like the broader yeah, I mean, they've done a great job on predicting what's going on with X, as we have to now call it. Yeah. Previously known oh, as no. Twitter. Uh, yeah, uh, that's not going to last. Speaking of bad branding, yeah, right? exactly. We, yeah. Oh, look, I think I own X.com. I'll rename my company. Lose another, yeah. lose another $5 billion on the valuation. Sure, like, sure. Just keep hammering, yeah. my friend. You know. So, okay, so Pivot. Pivot's done many things. It's gone multi-day, it's gone live, it's gone international, it's done all sorts the of things. Thing. Sure. It, again, if you were still in Pivot, what would you be doing? I mean, put your hat back on. What would you say they need to do? Do they need to do anything to keep it fresh or change it up? Or is the format good and stick to your knitting? What I would do personally, and like nobody's asked me and I genuinely am not. Well, I have. Person. I have asked you. Yeah, there you go. You have. I think that what I would do is a Pivot universe is start doing spinoff shows the same way like Pod Save America has. And I guess they have On with Kara Swisher and they have the Prof G show, but Pivot should be an overhead brand and then they should have young people. They should have some 25-year-old doing a Bitcoin podcast. I don't know, that's a bad idea. But you see what I'm saying? I think what they should be doing is spinoffs. Like maybe I thought it would be interesting to do one investigative piece a quarter where like Pivot is on Tuesdays and Fridays, but it's also on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you know, once a quarter and it deep dives into what's going on with X or whatever. That's what I would do is expand it as Pivot is the umbrella brand. You know, they have their conference already. Build it out and open up to new voices and new perspectives that are in line with their tone and their thinking and their subject expertise and use it as a flywheel right like you already have sort of like a marketing circle there that can feed itself yeah you've got an audience extend the audience brand value i mean we're seeing that with i don't know if you listen to them but there's a great two shows in the uk one's called the rest is politics and they've just extended that it was rest is history then became rest is politics and they're just about to extend that into other brands around the rest is and then uh the news agent which is another great show ex-bbc people They've now got the news agent USA because they used to be the USA BBC correspondents. So they've extended mm -hmm. it. So I can see how other people could do it. It's interesting. I mean, I, I guess it also fits into the fact that I don't know if Cara and, and Scott have got enough hours in the day to extend. Right. I mean, look, Cara has more hours in the day. I don't know where her hours come from. You know what I mean? And she really does do it for herself. People are like, well, she must have an assistant. I'm like, 
Kara is a machine. But I agree. It's like at a certain point, there's like an oversaturation in what they can do and what they can offer. But what they can also do is sort of point at the people around them. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what she did with Recode many years ago. But I think Pivot is a big enough brand and a big enough institution that they could start doing that. Okay. So let's move on. You said the word, you got poached. What was that call? I didn't use that word, you did. So you must have been at home one day. Hi. Yeah. Uh, we'd like you to come and work for this new company called Archwell. Who the hell's Archwell? Um, what happened? I mean, honestly, that's more or less it. They didn't use the word Archwell. So honestly, I got reached out to on LinkedIn, as I, I do often, and I took the call. They were just, there's a job at Spotify. Are you interested? And I looked at the job description, and it was interesting. And I was like, okay, sure. And the recruiter was like, somebody very well known is looking to make podcasts at the intersection of entertainment and social justice. And I was like, bing, like, dream job that is absolutely like if I were to even still if I were to say what it is that I want to do it looks like that and I was like yeah I'm interested and we had a good conversation and I happened to have been at the 2016 International AIDS Conference as part of reporting that I had done around that time with the Pulitzer Center and Prince Harry had been there and so I think even that conversation I had mentioned something about that and I left the call and I was like who could this be, you know, and I looked around, I was like, is it Ava DuVernay? And I was like, I think this is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Like, oh my God. And lo and behold, it was. And then from there, I can't really talk too much about it, but it, I would say a good three month long interview process and a lot of conversations and a lot of what do we want to do and what are the goals and what do you want to do? And yeah, nothing will be more surreal in my life than that. I mean, truly, I'm like anything... That is the, nobody could have told me in the basement in Vermont telling stories for local public radio that was going to happen cool. one day. And this is a reminder to answer your inbox because you don't know who's knocking, you know? Exactly. So how much input did you have in the direction of it? I mean, as I said, your role in editorial and production, what side of the fence were you, hey, I'm the expert podcaster, let me tell you how they should run in the format, or was this we are the royals and let me tell you how we want this to play out where was the bounce i wish i could talk about that but i really okay. can talk about that on the record okay can you tell me did you curtsy the first time that's all i need to know <laughs> no oh i very much did not okay and uh, let me say that they are very warm people okay you know like I, I didn't feel like that was expected of me either no i wouldn't have thought so now they had some negative press around from podcast saying the horrible word was used was grifters again not talking about the individuals but do you think those types of exclusives within spotify actually work because i don't think it's just them that didn't work particularly I think the Obamas didn't work. I think Michelle Obama's one didn't work. I think you look at... The... Kim Kardashian, yeah. Ava DuVernay. Like, the list goes on. I have lots of opinions on this that I can only share privately. But I think Meghan and Harry became the poster child for something that happened in a lot of different places. And I think, I guess, let me say, I don't think that there was ill intention from anybody. I think that there was... This is, again, why I wanted to write this article is I think there weren't enough people in the room who were like, 
I make audio. That is my career. That will be my career after this. This was my career before this. There weren't enough people who really understood like the fundamentals of what works and how it needs to be done. And that kind of strategy won't pan out. So given, I think, the quarterly returns for Spotify have shown increased user numbers down on their ARPU, though, so average revenue per user, increasing the price, so possibly losing some people, subscriptions really not working, advertising flatlining. Where do you think Spotify is going next? I couldn't really begin to know, but from the outside, because I'm no longer inside, but I think they're hunkering down. I think that they are reassessing. I think my guess is they don't really know where they're going next. I think what they're trying to do is trim the fat everywhere and get out of the limelight a little bit until they're a little bit more clear. What I will say that I thought was interesting is they've made a deal with Trevor Noah, which I think is in a better direction because at least he is proven to be somebody who can do consistent on mic talent and they did it as a one-off right like they aren't doing these overall mega million dollar how many shows deals but that being said they're still leaning into celebrity who might not fully understand i think there's imagination in podcasting where it's like oh you just talk into a mic and you can do it anywhere and it's super easy and i think that will never end well so i don't know i think spotify is tamping down is looking internally is trying to figure it out i think there's been changes in leadership over there and i think this didn't make it into the article but when i was talking to davey gardner we both agreed like anybody who tells you that they know the future of audio probably does not know like nobody knows right now i think we are in the let's figure it out phase of this yeah i think the so. commercial part of this industry so let's figure out where you're going next then because you might not figure out the whole industry but where does rebecca go next what's for you you're an award-winning editor and producer so have you checked your inbox that's the question <laughs> so that is a very great question and i'm being very honest when i say part of writing that vanity fair article is me trying to out loud figure that out for myself in hopes that other people will feel seen in my doing that. Like, I don't really know where I've landed is I've always loved the craft and that's always been the thing that's felt most fulfilling. My favorite job I've ever done still remains reporting from the basement of Vermont Public Radio, even though that place wasn't right for me. I'd like to get to a place where I can do more of that. I'd like to get funding for my own show. I'd like to do more writing. I'd like to help other people make great shows. I'd like to be inspired by great creators. I want to make new things. I want to be part of this restructuring and re-strategizing about like, how do we make this something that values craft and people can make a living in it? And it's not blocking out non-white, non-male creators. But I am, when I tell, I am figuring it out day by day. Every morning I wake up, I'm like, how am I going to do this? What's the difference between my career and my craft and my ego and my finances and like all of these things I'm juggling all the time. I guess at the end of the day, I want to make stuff and I want that stuff to be good. And any way that I can do that and pay my rent is how I yeah. want to do that. And pay your rent. That's the key. Now, yeah. um, and pay your yeah. rent. Yeah. So look, you talked about earlier women uh, and voices, but it sounds like you may want to go from back room to front office right to be on the mic 
what area would you be interested in doing? You, you've talked about news. Is that something you'd want to come back into or would there be another area that we don't know about, Rebecca? That's a great question. Look, I think if I look back at my work, in all honesty, time and time again, I'm attracted to women's stories and other marginalized people who might live and feel in that spectrum. Like from the beginning of being in middle of nowhere Indonesia, like I've always been attracted to that. I've always felt like there's a part of me that understands that experience and wants to help make that a more visible experience in a way that people feel excited to learn about and not lectured at. I don't know exactly what you call that. I think I, I want to do things at the intersection of news and entertainment, social justice and entertainment. I don't know exactly what that that looks like. I'm interested in exploring the world from the perspective of women in our current moment in culture. Okay. So one of the other things you talked about, and I thought it was a really perceptive thing, was women's voices, but women's looks. Video is becoming a much more dominant platform. You've yeah. talked to audio, but audio, and we've talked about the word podcast being a generic term, right? Is video on demand, YouTube, is that a podcast? You know, there's a big debate going on. And I'm less worried about it because I did a show last night with uh, Rob Greenlee. It was recorded as a video live. He pushed it out to YouTube, but it's also an audio thing. The editing and the construction of the presentation of the product was still done in the same way. It was just distributed in two different mediums. So, yep. I mean, do you see yourself going into video then maybe? Is that another area that you want to go into? Oh, this is such a good and complicated question because I think that there are some things that you can do just as well by recording it and putting it on video. And I think that there are some things that you can't. And I think it's important to know the distinction. I think video offers a bigger top funnel. And like, why wouldn't you do that if you could do that? On the other hand, I do think video can detract from great conversation. So I'll give you an example that I hope I don't get sued for sharing. But, you know, when we did the archetypes interview for Mariah Carey, that happened over video. And these were these two extremely busy women that we see out in the world as these like mega glamorous people barefoot in their homes in between putting their children to bed. And I think had we said, and this has to be on video and we have to see you and the world is going to know you, that would not have been the same intimate conversation and it would have been almost impossible to produce. And so I think just a reminder to people that there is something uniquely special about voice-only conversations that I think, especially for women, because there is so much pressure to do that, but also talking to Sam Sanders for this same piece, he said, podcast is a service industry. And if that's where the audience is, I guess that's where I go. Like if that's where the listeners want me to be, I guess that's where I'll be. So I don't have a great answer to that. I guess it's balancing is there is something unique and special about that voice only non-physical conversation. There's an intimacy that builds and we need more audience. If that's where people are listening from, why wouldn't we do that? I would do it. Uh, I'd have to like get over myself a little bit. But yeah, I think the video question is so complicated. I think everybody's thinking about it 
all the time. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I think people are trying to work out if there's an audience there, why wouldn't I go there? Why wouldn't I? Yes. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't begrudge anybody. I guess what I would say is don't think of it first. If you want to make a podcast, make the best podcast you can make. And then if it lends to video, like, sure, of course, put it on YouTube, but don't make everything all at once. Make the best thing with the biggest why and the most intention possible. And if that does include video, fabulous. But if not, don't stretch yourself because you're not going to make a good product at the end of the day. Okay, final couple of questions. Sure. Who would you love to work with? Who's that, who's that one person you think, you know what, I could really make you better or I'd love to just work with you? Who's that person? Okay, this is like not the answer I'm most proud of, but it's the thing that came to mind. So I'm going to tell you is Larry David. I really want to make a podcast with Larry David. Okay. The creator of Seinfeld and Curve Your Enthusiasm. But the truth is I want to work with people who are making cool stuff. I've heard there there is great stuff out there. I was just recommended the podcast Classy which I'm going to mispronounce his last name, but it's a reporter named Jonathan and he makes great stuff. Like I want to make stuff with somebody who's gonna make my stuff better, make me think differently, challenge me. You know, like that's part of why I put the bit in my article of Iron Glass pushing back on me because I like that. I want somebody to be like, you can be smarter, you can be tighter, you can get better voices, you can think of things differently. So I don't know if it's a specific person as much as anybody who wants to make great stuff and can make me better. Oh, and then my other answer is if Greta Gerwig is listening and she ever wants to make a podcast, a narrative podcast series, <laughs> call me immediately. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Last one. What are you listening to currently? Good question. So like I said, I just started listening to this podcast, Classy, which is very good. It's a really smart conversation about class and how we interact with it and done very creatively. I recently loved a podcast called You Didn't See Nothing. I don't know if you've heard of this. It I'm the worst person yeah. to ask. I listen to okay. technology and business only. I don't read books like novels. I only read technical manuals. So I'm a really dull, typical male. So no. Got it. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I love novels. I love think pieces. I'm a typical dork in that way. But You Didn't See Nothing was really good. It was part memoir, part true crime about a beating that happened in Chicago from a white kid to a black kid that then became sort of like a poster story for race relations. I say this in quotes in the 90s. And this person who was involved in it rediscovering it. And it was so good. And something that I think is really interesting worth noting is it was co-produced or financed by Universal. And I was like, hmm, okay, so movie studios have arms now that are run by their heads of IP and acquisitions that are funding to make podcasts. And it was great. It was an exceptionally good podcast. And that made me feel excited about the future. There is life after love for audio for sure. And it's coming from somewhere. And this was one of the places where I felt hope, where I was like, this is a classically great piece of journalism and entertainment and highly well-produced and interesting voices that was clearly well-financed by a less than obvious benefactor. Yeah, I think we've seen Netflix do a few of these IP podcasts mm -hmm. and a couple of other big network yep. platforms do it. I think it's a good testing ground. Is there an audience? Can we build up a pre-hype, et cetera, et cetera? There's a better way maybe sometimes than going out with a cold film trying to then build an audience around really? it. So. 
Well, also podcasts, I mean, we crashed on Apple and the dropout on Hulu were both almost verbatim taken from their podcasts, IP origins. And those podcasts had episodes already built out. They had cliffhangers. They had developed characters. Like in a podcast, you're so much closer to a screenplay that's ready for the visual than perhaps an article or some of the other IP origins. So I think it's a great idea everybody <laughs> rebecca thank you so much for your time it's been brilliant talking to you finally we've tried to do this for a few finally years finally did it it's been a pleasure an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me and look where can people find you if they need to get hold of you uh well you can look at my website which is rebsays.com r-e-b-z-s-a-y-s.com and all of my social media follows those same things and i really am somebody who I, answers, I answer my messages. I want to hear from you. I want to work as much with the person ahead of me as the person who's coming up behind me because I think young people who maybe aren't getting the funding still have great ideas and great talent. So, you know, reach out. Reach out. I did. It was amazing. It was one o'clock in the morning in my kitchen. I reached out to you and you answered. So, <laughs> it's a pretty quick one. Proof yeah. is in the living and, I, and that's why you're that's right. here. Now, Rebecca, thank you so much. And look, if you're in LA podcast movement in 24 is that i don't know if you'll be there but if you are love to catch up with you oh absolutely thank you so so much for having me pleasure